and see if he figures it out today. Doesn't sound like it. Oh, he shanked it. Oh, look at that line, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy, is he out of sync. I haven't seen anybody in the water today. Oh, am I the kiss of death on that? Of course I am. Okay. worse ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the chasing par podcast hopefully you had a better week than our uh, good friend mr eldrick had over there uh at riviera at the genesis open thanks again for checking us out this week and uh rolling with us again for another fun filled uh action packed i guess you could say after this past uh genesis invitational here things uh got a little hot out in on the west coast and uh it was a, a Pretty damn good tournament, if I do say so myself. What'd you think of it? Yeah, great tournament out there. We had a lot of good action. Uh, obviously, Tigers fall from grace hurt quite a bit, uh, but a great tournament nonetheless. And and golf, golf is back. It feels great. Yeah, the leaderboard was stacked, and there were people making runs all over the place. So it was a good uh, tournament, and it was you know a lot of fun to watch. And the course really showed itself very nicely. I think it's definitely a spot that I didn't ever really want to check out, but I think I have to now after seeing it on TV. Yeah, Riviera. Uh, it's like a hidden gem. It's a course that doesn't get talked about enough, uh, but I, I was loving the looks of it as well. Um, and it's so close to LA, almost like right in downtown LA, that it just seems like a slam dunk if you're out there to spend a million dollars to join there and uh, get on the course for a little bit. You know what uh, doesn't cost a million dollars and is beautiful to look at? What do you got? Our presenting sponsors, Honest Roots. Honest Roots creates sustainably made kitchen accessories so that you can feel good about the food you prep, cook, and serve in your home. All the wood used in their products are native, locally sourced, and locally milled for a minimal environmental impact. In fact, most of the wood comes from their very own property or neighborhood. They employ an environmentally friendly tree harvesting technique that only removes trees when necessary. They utilize many of Tennessee's native trees and use only all-natural plant-based wood finishing oils and waxes that contain coconut oil, mineral oil, vitamin E, and beeswax. Honest Roots is more than a name. It's a promise they make to their customers. It means that every item made is rooted in an honest, pure, and environmentally friendly methodology. They strive to be as resourceful as possible when designing boards to ensure that every piece of wood gets to fulfill its highlight and best purpose. Due to this method, please know that each piece will be a one of a kind and no two pieces will be exactly alike. Join Honest Roots in embracing the distinctive beauty of thoughtfully crafted kitchen boards, trays, and utensils. Again, thank you to Honest Roots for their continued support. Uh, Look and continue to grow their brand as well as our brand together. So uh, I know we say it every week, keep an eye out for it. It's coming, I promise. Uh, Let's just say for for the teaser here, I know you guys always hear that you know, we're going to drop something soon, but uh, when the azaleas start blooming, be on the lookout for some uh, merch hitting the uh, Instagram account. That's all I can say. Oh, that's so cryptic, but what a good, beautiful flower we're talking there. I think I know what you're hinting at, but we'll just have to wait and see in, uh, in a couple of weeks. So I guess maybe end of March, early April, we start seeing some merch come out. Yeah, I would even say maybe if you were uh, lucky and truly one of the followers that we followed along, there may or may not be some uh, free stuff maybe flying out mid-March, so definitely keep your eyes peeled on that. Again, thank you, Honest Roots. 
we really do appreciate it. So thank you guys. So yeah, we kind of hit on at the beginning of the show there that, uh, you know, the Genesis really presented itself well on TV from the course standpoint, the coverage standpoint, not so much, but I was thinking about it. Let's just get this out of the way right now. Who's at fault here? Is it them with providing the poor coverage or is it us for continuing to watch? We know what we're going to get, but we come back every weekend. Who's really at fault here? Yeah, that's isn't that Stockholm syndrome where uh, you get a kidnapped and then you start to like believe or like your kidnappers? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, it's it's a great point because we are the suckers that keep expecting different every week and we're not getting it. Uh, I hate that coverage is becoming something that we talk about every week, but it's just getting it feels like it's getting worse and worse. We're missing a lot of the good action. We're seeing just nonsense out on the course. I, I know I get out at Pebble Beach. Uh, in the last couple of weeks when we were out there, we know that there's tons of celebrities. We know they kind of do the same old song and dance, but uh, for some of these other tournaments, yeah, we, we need to, we need to cut that out. Let's get to the golf. Let's get to the action. Um, yeah. The coverage is becoming a huge story. So I, I don't think we can even say enough of it, but yes, yeah, fans, do we just start boycotting the game? I don't think we can. I mean, I don't think I can do that because like you said, it's, you know, I'm just as much to blame because I'm sitting there watching it every weekend. Uh, what I think is funny is I had a, a conversation with the uh, the El Padron who gave me a call. He sent me a text and said, hey, can I call you regarding the podcast? And I thought, you know, something bad was going to happen. But he was not too pleased with our take on the uh, celebrities. He, I mean, our, our father is uh, in his early 60s. So he truly enjoys watching these celebrities play and kind of gave us a little bit of crap for not liking the one, like not wanting to see it. So I don't know if this is maybe a generational thing or an issue. Uh, the other thing that I thought about too was, I mean, you have, uh, you know, the Harold Varner story where he tops the three wood. How, how do we not see that? That should be, that should be drawing people into the game. Think about that. There's plenty of people that are watching golf. Why is that not in like the prime cut of highlights? I know they eventually like 10, 15 minutes later, went out to show it in a little snippet. That should be drawing people into the game and attacking the minds of a lot of hackers like us that top three woods, right? That should be something we can relate to. Um, I, I have no idea why that wasn't shown. So what I, what I kind of was trying to figure out, cause you know, in speaking with him, with our dad that, you know, he liked it and he liked the coverage. He likes the gimmicky stuff and he likes all that fun stuff. And, and, you know, him being in his sixties and us being in our early thirties, we want our stuff now because that's the society we have pretty much grown up in. Like, like you said, you can go on Twitter and probably find that Harold Varner, before they ever even showed it on the coverage, you could find the video of it by somebody. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, right? It's like we have access to so much of the extra. Now, obviously, we've said on here that we crave to hear them mic'd up on the course, but we have access to all the extra fluffy stuff, all the celebrity stuff. Give us the good golf shots when we want them, right? Ex Give us the action. Exactly. Feed us what we want. And I think that might be where the big, you know, the big struggle is. You watch these, the commentators, they're all – older they're all 50 plus they're you know of the traditional broadcast system but again it's you know i don't think you can really say that it's an older younger generation debate here when you're showing two highlights of uh rick the stick fowler who didn't even play this weekend it is a travesty that that even happened now i know ricky fowler moves the needles i know the networks 
are trying to pull in fans, get ratings, and obviously Ricky's a big name, but there are guys out there on the course in the hunt that have great, uh, maybe younger social media followings, guys like Max Homa, who people absolutely love and adore, uh, especially us younger generation guys that are kind of more active and social. Um, he has a tremendous following online, and he, the guy's making a charge. They don't even show him once. We're getting Ricky highlights. He's not even in the damn tournament. I mean, the, the coverage is – it's losing its mind, right? There's uh, – it's, it's becoming a factor every week. I mean, we're five minutes into the podcast. We didn't even say who won this weekend. We're talking about the coverage. Exactly, and it, it does. It kind of – you know, it doesn't – I don't want it to take away from what happened during the tournament – but you're right. It's it kind of puts a tarnish on it that it's like, oh, it's a struggle to watch. It, it really is. And it's 2020. Why can't I have an app where I click on a player and I can watch every shot? I know it's a manpower thing. I know it's a money thing. I understand that. Set up some remote, like some stationary cameras, man them with a computer. We have that technology. We can do that. Let's use it. Aren't there cameras on every hole? There are not. Okay. I didn't know that, but there are not. <laughs> so I get, I always knew that there were specific cameras out there following like the featured and highlight groups. Yes. I would imagine that every, there should be camera stations that are kind of can swivel to holes side by side in most typical courses. I didn't realize that there weren't cameras on every hole. So that kind of ruins my argument there. Yeah. It's, I mean, depending on the tournament and the majors, there's going to be a camera on every hole. But again, I get it's a money thing, but it's just like, man, there's so many ways to do it. There's so many ways. I remember Fox, uh, the U.S. Open at Pebble, used a drone. Like, get the drone out there. Make it interesting. That's an easy way to get quality coverage. That is. Drone Drone would be sick. What about engaging social media to say, who do you want in the featured group for today? And let the fans weigh in on who they want to follow. That seems like an easy way to interact with the audience. Exactly. It builds, it builds a following. It builds communication. It's, you know, the lines of communication are there. So I definitely think it can be done. Yeah, and then that way we can get Higgs Army going. We can get Harry out there. We can be watching him for 18 holes. Chest hair, taco meat out flowing. It would be a beautiful thing. Harry Higgs may become our guy. So, fingers crossed, Harry gets uh, makes his push there and ends up in those featured groups. But I, I will say this, on a Saturday morning, I'm, you can watch three nobodies easy, and that's the featured group when there's somebody big out there. So, I think just the PGA Tour in general is missing big time. But I, I do know this, that the TV contracts are coming up very soon. So, hopefully – Fingers crossed we see some changes in the future. Do you think they're doing this on purpose to kind of generate some buzz for the game? I honestly don't think that. I think it's just that poorly done. Yeah, I think they're tone deaf. I don't even think, they, I don't even think they're smart enough to, to realize they could build up the hatred to kind of get some more attention on the sport. I, I think it's tone deaf. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, they, and if they are, then they're pulling the wool over my eyes and I have no idea, but I just feel like it's just such old production and old TV that, that they don't have any idea of any other way to do it. Let's get off the coverage topic. That's our rant. If you didn't like it, hopefully you just, you know, hit the 30 second scoot button and went through it. Uh, let's get into actually, I mean, like, like you said, what are we seven, eight minutes in right now? And we are just now announcing the winner. And that was uh, Adam Scott, the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie shot a 70 uh, on Sunday to hold off a handful of guys that were making a charge down on the leaderboard. Uh, he had the low round on Friday with a 64, and this gives him his 14th win on the PGA Tour. I'm sitting there watching, and this guy is an absolute stud, maybe one of the prettiest swings on tour. I know I said Rory had a great driver swing last week, but Adam Scott might have the prettiest swing the whole way around. And you're looking at him going, it's his 14th PGA Tour win. I feel like this guy should have won way more than this. Yeah, I'm a bit shocked by this. Obviously, I know he's 
got a master's under his belt. I think he won the players a while back. Yeah, you'd expect him to have won more. Um, I think he's he's won, a, you know, 10, 15 times on tour. But, um, yeah, great win for him. I mean, the guy's got a beautiful swing. He's got the long putter. Uh, the only knock on him is I used to love him when he was sponsored by Burberry, and now it's uh, Uniqlo, which is like the – uh, Asian brand, I think, that sponsors like uh, Federer or Djokovic, one of those big tennis players. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, I miss him having that little pattern on his collar for Burberry. He's been around forever. He's got some majors. This is not a knock on Adam Scott. And I think really what it boils down to is Adam Scott kind of started off as a belly putter, if I'm correct. He, he was uh, an anchor guy. And that really kind of hurt his game. And he's found something with this uh, long putter here, going with the mallet and all that. But he's a guy that you'll see rock a couple different putters throughout the year uh, I know he played well down in Australia I think it was the Australian Open right after the President's Cup he played really well down there so hopefully he can get hot I think he's a good asset for the game he's kind of one of those cool calm collected players that's just got like a classically beautiful swing so it's very very nice to watch him play yeah one one question I have for you and maybe some of our listeners uh, Adam Scott comes in Sunday rocking the I, I would call it pink for a shirt choice like all pink no patterns, no designs, no nothing. Any uh, any thoughts or feelings there? No, he's just – he's a snappy dresser. He tried to bring back the pleated pants last year. I'm, I'm all in on Adam Scott's style. I'm, what, it, what I did find interesting, it looked like he had an extra long bill on his cap, the title of his cap there. It looked like a long, br- a long brim. So I noticed that. Is that like a long brim or is, is, is his head just very small? I don't know. Adam, Adam Scott, your PR team, hit us up, inform us. Is that a, a regulation size brim or an extended brim? Is he going with the, uh, the Sandlot look? Yeah, I mean, he, he, had, the, he had the kind of classic uh, weekend hacker look, right? Going with the kind of the highlighter. It was like a pink, not like neon, like a, not fluorescent pink, but it was bright enough. He had, the, I think, a lighter colored belt on. It might have been white and the gray pants with the white shoes. I mean, the guy's snazzy. He always dresses well. Uh, he's a good-looking guy. It was just uh, just wanted our our fans' feedback on the pink. I'm not against it, by the way. I I you know, you you look good, you feel good, you play good. That is the mission. That's the statement right there. So I know you're a big-time stats guy. So uh, one that I found very interesting here that you know digging it up is one of the best ways to go low is just simply hitting greens in regulation. Right? If you're on. In regulation, you have a chance to, to par out, right? You, you got a chance to score. Adam Scott led everybody in the field with 72% greens in regulation for the week, which is an outstanding statistic. Rafa cabrera Bello, uh led with 70% accuracy off the tee, right? 70% of his drives found the fairway in what appeared to be a firm, fast conditions and a tight golf course with some like crazy angles going at it. I mean, if you had to choose the 75 in the fairway or 50%, let's just go knock it down, 50% greens and reg, which one would you take? They're both such alluring choices. I think i go greens in regulation because I'm used to not being in the fairways as it is. So I kind of like being in the rough, give, give the ball a little fluff, catch a few flyers out of there. I think I'm going to take 50% greens in regulation. I have no idea what I'm at right now. I'd bet it's probably closer to 25 33% somewhere in that range. Um, I think if I'm hitting 50% greens in regulation, I like my putting. Um, it's just, what am I doing those other 50% of the time? That's where the ball's in the woods. So yeah, give me greens in regulation half the time. What about you? I think you got to go uh, greens in reg as well, because I'm looking at this. 
And even if I, I mean, if I hit 75% of my fairways, but I can't hit 50% of my greens in regulation, like then it's just, that's a long day. That's a long day of, of duff and chips and all that. So I'm, like you said, and it just gives you the best opportunity to score is, is hitting those greens in regulation. I think one of the big things that I've seen online, especially around strategy and trying to lower your score and all that is to hit greens and regulation with clubs that you trust from distances that you need, right? If you are comfortable with an eight iron and your eight iron flies one, 160, you know, whatever it is, 150. If you can leave yourself short 150 every time and hit the green in two, I mean, that's gold. You're golden right there. And then it just relies on becoming a good putter. So I, I think you're right. You got to take the greens and regulation. I know you are the, uh, the resident driving distance. Uh, that's your, one of your big go-to stats here. So why don't you lead us off with uh, who led the, the field in driver distance this week? Yeah, I mean, it was a – it was a good tournament. Guys were whipping the ball around. Uh, there was a gentleman, and I, I just love the the stats that always come back on this. But the uh, the winner this week was a gentleman. He stands about uh, we'll say six foot one, just over six feet tall. Weighs about a buck eighty five. Uh, LSU Tiger by the name of Sam Burns. You familiar with him at all? Not really. Yeah, admittedly, you, yeah, you wouldn't be. He's only won once on the Web.com tour. A uh, handful of amateur wins, Louisiana native. Uh, I mean, the guy was uh, Division One Player of the Year back in 2016 or so. So he's he's carrying some weight. Uh, he's been around the block a little bit, but he was slinging the ball this week, which is always good to see. I, I love reading these stats, right, because you always get some fun names of or guys that you wouldn't expect that are absolutely just bombing the ball. Um, but, yeah, that was always good. You mentioned earlier Cabrera Bayo with – 70% uh, driving accuracy, Adam Scott, 72% greens and regulations. So, I mean, there we go. Hit greens, win tournaments. It should be, uh, it should be pretty simple. Cash big checks. That's what it's about. <laughs> kind of bring up the topic of Sam Burns. I'll say this. The uh, leaderboard this week was studded, just top to bottom. There was guys making charges left and right. It was, I mean, the, the only kind of sneaky name in there was Scott Brown, who used to be, what was he, a congressman in the state of Massachusetts? The truck guy. He was always like something about always driving his green truck around. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the truck guy. But yeah, no, that's, I, no idea who this Scott Brown is. Uh, Sung Kang was up there. Cooch finished two strokes back. Uh, there was some, I mean, there was some good action. Going into Sunday, you had Adam Scott, Kucher and Rory all tied for the lead. I mean, that's studded. Loaded. Yeah, loaded. That's a stable right there. And that's another is Kucher is is he maybe one of the most underrated golfers of all time? Yeah, Kooch is I mean, the guy's one on tour. I hate to say it, but I, I always like to think like always a bridesmaid, never a bride. He's always in the hunt. He's just not winning as much as he probably should be. I know he's won. Don't don't take that the wrong way, but to be in the hunt that much and not convert more times. Yeah, it's – I mean, he's just always, you know, kind of right there. He's always hanging around. And, it, you know, I honestly thought he was playing well enough leading into this, you know, into the into Sunday here that I thought he could eke one out and squeak one out. I mean, he's just always consistently there. It's He's like a solid pair of sketchers, man. It's just comfort <laughs> and smooth all the time. You never really got to worry about it. It's crazy. Nice. Well played on the Skechers there. So if I were to ask you how many, if you had to guess, how many tour wins does Matt Kuchar have? I'm going to put Kuchar at 12 tour wins. Okay. I thought he had more. That is incorrect with 12. 
Matt Kuchar has nine tour wins. I feel like there's more though. Really? Yeah, any, nine. Any, I mean, nine wins is I. I thought he had way more than that. I'm telling you, he's always in, he's always up there, and people love picking him every week. Um, he's just not always getting it done. It's kind of got that. I mean, is he Tony Fina or is Tony Fina Matt Kuchar? Because they kind of feel like they're the same guy. Yeah, that's it's a good way to look at. It. I mean, Kuchar around the block a lot longer, so. It, We'll see what happens with Finau, but uh, I don't know. Cooch is just like he's always there. I don't know how else to describe it. He's 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 just there. You know who was not there this weekend? Unfortunately, was the uh, the big cat, the cat. The cat closed out the weekend shooting a uh, seventy six and a seventy seven to close the weekend at a uh, eleven over. Did not look good. Didn't look into it. Uh, just. Had a weird vibe to it. I guess the first thing we have to get out of the way is like, are we or should we be concerned with Tiger right now? No, we should not be. Um, yes, he limped in 76, 77. That's like your buddy who just shows up hungover and just kind of plays to play, but spending a lot of time in the cart just thinking. Um, no, we should not be worried. I think he's going to dial back his schedule a little bit, maybe play a little bit less, take care of himself. The one thing that worries me is actually not the physical condition he's in. It's the mental. He said a lot, right? He made a lot of weird comments this weekend about not being into it. He felt like he's too skinny. Yeah, I heard uh, that. That was, yeah, I need to put on weight. That was the very strange statement by him. Yeah, it's just like, I, you know, he's obviously a guy who's a mental warrior, but he seems to be getting in his head a little bit more than usual. Um, I, I don't, like I said, I don't think it's physical. I think it's mental. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely going to dial back the schedule. They said no WGC Mexico this week, uh, targeting, I think, Bay Hill early March. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not worried about Tiger. What about you? No, I don't, like you said, I don't think I'm worried at all. I think it's still, it's very early for him. He, I know he plays this tournament pretty regularly, but he has little to no success out at Riviera. He's never won there before. He's played there how many times now? This is what, 11? Yeah, I was going to say, well, yeah. Let's call it 11 to 15 with his amateurs. He doesn't play well here. He never has. So I'm not worried. Yeah, the stuff he's saying is a little, a little sketchy. It's a little concerning, but Tiger's a physique guy. He always has been. He always wanted to have, you know, the big, the, you know, kind of be that he was Brooks Kepka before Brooks, right? He said this back in uh, when he was playing at the Ryder Cup as well that he needed to get back in shape and he needed to hit the gym and all that. I don't know if this is just Tiger talking to talk, just because it's like, well, let's deflect off the fact that I I finished plus five on the last five holes on Sunday, just limped it in like you said. I don't know about the playing less tournaments. Uh, I think that there's you know there's a lot on the line this year. There is a Ryder Cup coming up, so he needs to be in that. I mean they're most likely going to pick him because he's tiger, but there's another event. There's other events coming up. I think we're going to see maybe when he returns, if stuff starts to return back to the East coast, you'll start to see him a little more things start to warm up a little bit. I think you'll see tiger kind of come back into form. He played so great over at the president's cup and then at the Zozo. So I'm not worried at all. Uh, you know, the only thing that concerns me honestly is the uh, four putt. That is a little concerning. Oh boy. Uh, it is his you had four, to bring it up. That's his 14th of his career, right? And he, you know, four putt from 18 feet. 
Uh, what was it? At Torrey Pines, he had another four putt from 24 feet. Ugh, I'm getting the chills just thinking about this, but yes, you're correct. What gives me the chills is that they, that they can count that he's only had 14 of them. Over your lifetime of golf, how many, do you, how many four putts do you think you've had, honestly? Have I had more than 14? I'm going to say no. I don't think I have. I'm gonna, I can almost confidently say that. You've had less than 14 in your entire – Four putts. Four putts, yeah. Yeah, now I will say I, I've, I've had less than 14 four putts. I can 100% confirm that I've had more than 14. <laughs> you know that for a fact. Oh, I, I, mean, remember the, I remember my last four putt. Really? A four putt? Oh, yeah. I lost by one in a match. I choked. And I, and I missed my third putt from like three feet. Now, now, when we're talking four putts, though, right, like I would imagine a lot of those, the ones I can think of in my life, which I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I've definitely had them. It's probably where I'm like just nip the front of the green and I've got like a 80 or 100 footer that I only get about halfway there. Well, I can walk you through. So it'd be tough to paint the picture here, but I was uh, probably 16 feet on the, on the top of the green backside, past the pin, downhill breaker, hit it a touch too hard, blew it to probably 10, 10 feet, 12 feet, rolled out, came back up the hill, was, like I said, about two feet, three feet off, missed that putt. And then buried the fourth one to lose the match. Ninety-one. I shot a ninety-one that day. My God, I, mean, I actually have a buddy at work that follows us on that app, and he said, "Like he's like, I got the alert that you just four putted on 18. <laughs> God damn it, that's cruel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I would say Sweetens Cove put me down for at least two. Yep, yep. I've Those never diabolical though. Diabolical greens. I've never put I've never put like off a green as many times as I have at Sweetens just because of the undulation, the slope, the pin placements were all deadly. But I, yeah, I don't think I've had many to be honest with you. I'm, I'm I consider myself a good lag putter. Um, I definitely have. I I can't say I've ever had one from 18 feet. I feel like that would be very very rare for me. Um, but I guess to your point, right? If you got a nice downhill slider. Uh, that maybe catches the lip and then runs out another 10 feet. You leave the second about halfway short coming back. Yeah, you miss a five-footer or so for your third putt. It's doable. I, I mean, hey, we're oh, it's very, above the law. It's very doable. What I, what I find very interesting on the, like, is this even doable, was our uh, – he's gotten a lot, of, uh, a lot of chatter this year is Mr. Ryan Palmer. Did you happen to catch that uh, bunker I, debacle? Yeah, I caught a little bit of him shoveling there. No, you know, that might still be too soon there. You know, the body's not even cold yet. Patrick's still running around tour, all right? Leave, leave him – leave <laughs> shoveling out of this, okay? For sure. Uh, but, yeah, so Ryan Palmer, it's kind, of a, it's kind of one of those social media things that was running around. Six shots to get out of the bunker there on 14, which I have never played out on the West Coast. I know when you and Dad went out and played Pebble, you spoke about just how fluffy and soft the uh, – the lie was in the bunker so that might be something to do with it i've never experienced something the way that you guys kind of described it yeah we we took a beating at pebble out of the bunkers and i'll just preface this with i'm a i'm a putter out of the bunker type of guy so i'm not good from the sand anyway uh but when you've got massive lips and they're steep like that and they're tough to get out of i think that's the problem the sand out there is traditionally very good it's not like the the rocky gravel that we're used to on the on the east coast here um 
Yeah, Ryan Palmer. My my lord, six shots to. I I seeing it on social media. I, I had to laugh and almost cry for the guy. I felt bad. Like he hit one up top to the the high side of the lip to where he couldn't even get up there and stand and take a swing. I think his third or fourth, he takes this just like half-ass swing that you and I would take when we're fr- frustrated and just kind of blades it straight to the right um, like a sh- little shank. I-, I felt for the guy, right? These guys are professionals and they're struggling to get out of bunkers. How the hell are we supposed to get out of them? It truly is one of those, you know, you hate to see it moments. Like you really do hate to see that. Uh, what was great to watch though, I-, I mean, one of the things that you highlighted that is Rory comes into the week sitting number one in the world and really took that label that you know bullseye on his back and really ran with it like you said it came in a sunday tied for the lead finished in fifth uh shot two over on sunday which wasn't great i hate to say this but that's kind of like typical rory you know it gets on sunday and just kind of gets lost in the wash there and it, it kind of gets overcome by the moment but to show up freshly at the number one spot and hold down a number five i mean that's pretty solid for him yeah i'm okay with rory uh coming in fifth there obviously Two over on Sunday hurts. Granted, not many guys are scoring that well Sunday. Um, I think this is good for the world, number one. Like, let's get this momentum going. Let's keep the train rolling. I would love to see Rory kind of run the table as number one for a little bit here and hold on to it. Um, so, yeah, overall good showing. I mean, this was a this was a fun – man, there was a lot of good action out there. There's a ton of storylines we could be talking about, all sorts of drama, a lot of things said had the players commenting on the distance reports. We talked about that a little bit last episode, but um, always good to see the world number one grabbing a, a top five, and and we're, we're pulling for Rory for sure. It's a lot of pressure to take on that week and really respond to it, and I think he did an excellent job with it. So I, I foresee him. It'll be awesome this summer. I think the Brooks and uh, Brooks and Rory thing's really going to take off here. It's going to be a battle. You know, there's going to be some guys that will be messing around trying to sneak up in there as well. Yeah, wanted, uh, one – thing I wanted to touch on which actually ties into our next subject uh, a little bit about our gambling and our picks that we made right yes. so y- you had took Mr. Uh, Paulina Gretzky who finished 10th He's DJ also- this week it's DJ. DJ my bad DJ and then you also took a guy who uh, I don't know if you saw on social media too wound up uh, playing a little golf with Bieber yes Mr. Bieber Mr. Justin Bieber or as my children call him Mr. Justin Beaver <laughs> The Beaver King. Uh, how does how do Bubba Watson and Justin Bieber become friends? I don't know if I'm. I don't know. Well, Bubba had that sweet track. What was it? Uh, the Golf Boys. Yeah, they did. So they're two. That. They're two quality musicians. Yeah, I guess you could say. That. I just can't see them getting along. I, Bubba's a kind of a cool guy, but kind of a weirdo. And I guess probably you could say the same thing about Beaver. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I had. I mean, I had DJ. Who? What do you? I mean. Definitely one out for the weekend for me there. Yeah, he saved your ass. So, yeah, DJ in 10th. Uh, Bubba missed the cut. I had Kepka, who came in 43rd. Not a not as good of a showing as I would have liked. I took Matthew Fitzpatrick to a uh, 30 finish. Um, so, this year we've uh, sort of the gambling update for all our fans out there. We've picked about four events had. Um, we're doing, you know, you add up the finish. If anyone misses a cut, you get 100 points. So I'm at plus 233. You're at plus 284. Long season, plenty to go. Bubba killed you, but uh, there's more to come. There definitely is, and I'm, uh, <clears throat> I think I got a good pick saved in here for this week. I'd like to give one little quick shout-out uh, to 
an ECU pirate, Harold Varner the third this week, thought he played out of his mind all week. And it truly was like an inspirational thing to see. The guy was out there grinding through 18 holes of golf, didn't have his best stuff, but stayed on that front page of the leaderboard and just kept bouncing back, like had some rough spots. Didn't get down on himself. Like you said, he had the top, the top three wood when he's sitting in the lead at the time. And he just keeps bouncing back and hanging around. It was great stuff to see Harold Varner III out there, uh, you know, just grinding away at it. Yeah, I think we can all take a page out of HV3's book. Uh, you know, just stick with it, right? There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. He obviously showed that all weekend, just kept his head down, kept focusing, playing for the next shot. I uh, like his game a lot. Uh, I think this guy is good, really good for the game. Uh, really inspiring and, um, you know, hopefully have some continued success for him out there because guys like that, that just grind, eventually they get results. And that's, uh, I feel that a hundred percent. Like it's, he's, his day's coming very, very soon. Yeah. Speaking of days that are coming soon, I don't know. This kind of ties into the tiger talk too. Have you put any thought towards the Olympics this summer up in Tokyo? I have. And that's what I wanted to kind of like, I know we got on the tiger topic here that, Summer Olympics right there is why I think you're going to see more of Tiger when he hits the East Coast. Uh, the way that the kind of the format works out is by nation, each, each nation gets a select amount of people to represent them. For the United States, it's the top four players in the official world golf rankings. Currently, Tiger sits at six, I believe, which makes him with Rom and Rory uh, taking up two of those six slots. That puts Tiger in the, in the driver's seat at number four as the representative for the United States of America. Tiger has said in the past that that's kind of his last, like that's what he needs. He doesn't have a gold medal because this is only the second year that we're seeing the, uh, the golf in the Olympics. You know, do I think that it's going to be the best viewing experience or the, you know, like a cool tournament to watch? No, but I mean, anytime that the red, white, and blue gets put on and it's, you know, kind of USA against the world, I can get behind that. I can be excited about that. What about you? Yeah, I don't – I know golf, uh, they brought it back two years ago, 20 uh, – sorry, four years ago, 2016. They brought golf back after like over 100 years or 70 years, something like that. I, I couldn't get into it then, but I will get into it now. And like you mentioned, right, it's great to kind of remember 2016. But let's go with a little trivia for here. Do you remember who medaled in the, in the men's competition, gold, silver, bronze? Yes, uh, so I know you had uh, Justin Rose won the gold yes, for England. Cooch won the bronze. That is correct. And is it – was it Stenson with the silver? It was Henrik Stenson. Nice memory. I had no idea. I remember Jay Rose winning. Uh, yep. I couldn't remember anyone else. And then on the women's side, you had Inby Park. Uh putting extraordinaire she took the gold home for south korea Lydia, she just won this uh past weekend there at the uh, uh she's a machine yeah down there in australia at what looks like I, we need to go to australia yeah was that royal melbourne it was adelaide royal adelaide, adelaide. Yeah. that place looks so sick uh, but continue yeah yeah nb park to come gold lydia ko another trivia question for you i know we're big fans of uh the women's game lpga tour lydia ko what uh what nation was she representing she from new zealand Oh, you've done your homework. Yeah, grew up in South Korea. Family moved off to New Zealand when she was a 
just a toddler or an infant and then she got her citizenship at nine years old i never knew that uh, she's so the cool. one that's like been through like 132 caddies in four years correct yeah she's got a lot going on caddy issues uh family issues supposedly her parents tend to run her life a little bit uh just because she's been so successful so young that she's run into issues let me segue here uh on the topic of lady golfers and family issues anybody out there that's looking to kill about an hour and 40 minutes of their life there's a uh aria jatanagard kind of movie it's not a documentary it's like a, they, a produced movie out of thailand it's on netflix right now i try to do my homework on it i could not find out a whole lot of, of information uh but it was like the domineering father that's you know keeps the kids out of school wild video had heard the or wild movie excuse me movie it was an actual movie uh, they kind of say at the end that it's fictionalized, but it was just a wild movie. I would give it uh, out of five stars. I'd give it like a 1.21. <laughs> that good, huh? Well, when you're sitting around at work and you've got nothing else to do some days, uh, you just find yourself watching Arya Chetanagar, you know, it, movies. It was very weird. And she has a sister on tour too, right? Yeah, Mo. Yeah, see, I'm, oh, I'm deep in the uh, Chetanagar family tree. I respect that. Um yeah. Oh, we were talking Olympics, right? Okay. Yes. Back, to, back to the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, it's, you got 60 men, 60 women, they just play a, a regular tournament, you know, four rounds. Um, do we, do we care? I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll get excited and get the kind of red, white, and blue blood flowing in me for the Americans. Hopefully we get a good showing of players there uh, from all different countries across the world. You know, now we're seeing a lot, more countries starting to get involved thanks to things like the President's Cup where we have uh, the Joaquin Neiman's of the world, the Abraham Answers of the world kind of coming in, um, not from your sort of traditional European or Australian or South African type countries. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I, I think maybe they could spice it up a little bit, maybe mix in some match play or, or fiddle with the format somehow. I mean, you have, you have any thoughts around that, how it could be a little more exciting? I would love to see kind of like a, like a team match play event where it's like, you know, team USA versus, or, and oh, kind of, yeah. kind of build it that way. I'm, I want to say, what is it? The Olympics runs for about three weeks almost, right? Yeah. Right around that. Yeah. So I mean, most of these people come in for the opening ceremonies and then they're usually there for the closing ceremonies. So play, you know, play a match play tournament at the beginning of the week for three days or something like that and kind of build it up and, award a medal for that and then do a sing, you know, do the regular style singles tournament stroke play event later on in the, in the Olympics, right? Pick two courses. I think that's just something, again, we're bringing golf back into the Olympics. So let's kind of baby step it in, you know, what about a top golf type battle between nations? Don't hate that idea, but don't know if that screams Olympics with uh, the, the spirit of the Olympics. Yeah, I was thinking more like when they have like marksmanship type contests. There you go. It's a mix of golf and marksmanship. Um, yeah, either way, I mean, yeah, we're excited for Olympics. Tokyo 2020, uh, do you think Tiger's going to be there? If, if he's qualified, do you think he goes? I say yes, he will be on this team. I think he steps it up this summer, plays enough to, to fall into that number four slot. So I think he does. If he is not there... I can almost tell you who will be there at the number four slot. Mr. Patrick Reed will be taking that number four slot. He's been playing some great golf. I don't see why he doesn't end up on this team. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to Tokyo 2020. Speaking of kind of marksmanship too. Oh, go ahead. You had something you want to chime in with? One thing I am 
regarding the Olympics here that I'm seriously concerned with and I think could be an issue, especially in the golf community, is uh, the current, you know, medical coronavirus thing that's kind of going on over in, in Asia right now. Is that going to, do you think, deter some people? I know there was talks, what was it? Was it Zika down there in uh, Central yeah. America and South America? That was kind of a concern for some people prior to the Olympics. Do you think that rears its head prior to the 2020 Olympics? Oh, absolutely. I remember uh, 2016 Rio, people were dropping out left and right, both men and women because of Zika. Um, I, I think Corona will have the same effect here. Um, hopefully we, we get some better resolution in the coming months uh, as to how the world's kind of handling and dealing with that crisis. Uh, but it's definitely a big factor for a lot of these players. So uh, something to kind of keep our eyes on for sure. Got hit up on uh, Instagram here by a follower he writes, uh, hey, down here in the Houston, Texas area, any tips for driving range practice? He says, I have no plan of attack and need to find a way to better my game in the offseason to target my flaws. Keep up the good work. Uh, we appreciate the kind words, and we appreciate the interaction very, very much. That's what, kind of what we're looking for here. You know, people kind of hit us up from time to time. We definitely got to get that going more here that's on us but if you guys have questions, hit us up. But what about you? Do you have a kind of a range session formula that you follow or that you like to do is there anything or is it just kind of hack it grip it and rip it get warmed up I feel this guy's pain right I wish I had a little more direction when I get out there I have a routine that I made up and there's no rhyme or reason to it but uh I'll typically grab a sand wedge pitching wedge nine seven five driver for no reason at all start out with the sand wedge Hit a few wedges, probably three to five of them. Then I'll go to the pitching wedge, three to five of them, just kind of work my way up. Uh, wind up hitting maybe a few more long irons and find myself uh, ripping driver, trying to feel comfortable before I go off onto the first tee. There is zero rhyme or reason. I always just think, oh, it's easier to warm up with uh, higher loft clubs, kind of dial in the shorter distances. But I wind up hitting kind of an equal representation of – sand wedge all the way up to you know four or five iron but then i had an overwhelming amount of drivers so yeah no no plan of attack for me what about you you have any like you have any method to your madness have you actually thought about this i have a method i have kind of a plan i, I go in with kind of the same thing i don't know if it's right uh, i've been questioned on it before but i always go to my seven iron that's the first thing i grab out of my bag i just feel like that's a comfortable club for me to hit to get warmed up on uh i've this winter try to really work on tempo and using my body to hit the ball and not lunge, you know, flick at the ball, compress the ball. So the seven just seems to be an easy club to work. So I usually hit about five or six with the seven iron and then I'll, you know, very easy tempo, nothing crazy, just kind of soft, easy swings. And then I go back down to nine, eight, and then go back up the bag all the way through. I bring my whole bag out on the range every time. I know some people just grab a handful of clubs. I like to hit, like you said, about three to three to six balls with each club get warmed up. Uh, I hit my driver then. I don't ever really hit the three wood or the driving iron. I mess around with the driving iron every now and again. Probably about five tee shots right there. And then I really try to focus in on my uh, wedges. So I'll start, you know, going through all the wedges, hitting different targets, full shots, half shots, really try to get those dialed in there. Uh, the beauty of the range though, is it's such a temptress, you know, because you go out there with this plan, you execute, and then the second you walk off the range and go to the first tee, it's like you've never played golf before and everything you thought about just goes out the window. 
So I'm debating maybe not even going to the range anymore. Oh, that's a rogue thought. I don't know about that. Anytime there's a range, I'm hopping out there because I feel like it's a good confidence builder. But at the same time, I agree. I think it can kind of work against you. I, I wind up hitting way too many drivers on the range and I, I can't leave until I hit that last good one solid. Um, it's, it's not a great mindset to have. I've read uh, articles and books about players saying, you know what, when you're out on the range as you're starting to wrap up, hit through the first couple holes, right? If you got a par four as n- off number one, hit a driver, hit a, you know, nine or seven iron, you know, and then maybe a wedge. Practice what you're actually going to do instead of just ripping 25 drivers straight. Do you, you ever feel like you're just like out there murdering drivers one after another? Yes. And then when I get to the course, it doesn't ever really play out. But I think it's like you said, you can just hit so freely and say, all right, I want to aim at X or Y. And if it goes a little bit offline, like, all right, that's, it's not a big deal. There's really no consequence. You can really get into it and it, it does build your confidence, but does it translate on the course? Yeah. It's like a weird addiction with the, or at least for me, for the driver, if I hit a bad one, I got to hit a bunch more, right? It's like, I got to get this right. If I hit a good one, I'm like, oh, let me hit a bunch more and just keep hitting good ones, right? You never reach that that good breaking point of when you should be stopping. Um, so sometimes I, I mentally, I'm like, you know what, let's hit 12 drivers and to try to make them count a little bit more, but I wind up shanking the last five and then I have to hit another five after that. So it's uh, it's a bit messy. I, I like your approach with the seven though. Get out there with a good feel club and just kind of dial in your tempo first. Um, because like I said, I get out there with the sandwich. It's not really a great tempo club you can't really take a or for me i'm not a big full swing sandwich guy so i'm taking like half swings and hitting kind of lobs and pitches to short pins um but seven iron is probably a good place to start i never thought about that yeah i feel like it you know as i'm getting older and uh just being able to get that full swing where it doesn't have to be hard it doesn't have to be fast but just get the body loosened up get everything kind of the muscles working with a comfortable club that's got enough loft on it and that you know is right in the middle. I will say this, I usually end with about two or three, uh, depending on the pin. I like to try to attack something at the you know 160 to 170 range where it's that's eight iron, that's seven iron, that nine iron, and probably put three or four good shots at the pin, like really attack the pin to try to get dialed in that way. Do you think a lot of us, like you and I and other kind of mid-handicappers, should actually probably dial in more around like the 75, 110 range, places where we're commonly kind of stuck on the golf course and having to try to put shots in for greens and regulation that we're usually missing? I mean, you know, for us, right, if we're at 70, the chances of us hitting greens and regulation not as high as it should be as compared to like a 105 shot, right? We should get to a point where we're pretty dialed from 105. That's kind of the approach I've been taking is like, yeah, it's fun to hit driver and it's fun to try to smoke it and all that. But it's like, if I'm at, like you said, from 100 to 170, I would love to just be able to attack the pen and go at it and be confident at it. So yeah, I I definitely think that a lot of people, you know, most of your par fours and your public courses are going to be what? 450 tops for a par four, 475. Yeah, that's high too. Right. So if you can hit it 220, 250, you're halfway home. Like then it's all right, let's figure out what to do from there. Let's be able to attack the pin. Let's be able to, if we need to lay it up, lay it up in the right position and then use your wedges around the greens to get in close. So that's something, you know, that I've definitely tried to incorporate is to just be like more confident with the scoring clubs, the wedges and all that. So uh, I had a lesson and the, you know, the instructor really drove home the point, like, don't just dump the bucket on the, on the ground, like create 
you know, create little piles of, of 10 balls, you know, and, and actually focus on hitting those 10 shots. Don't, you know, don't just dump the bag out and, uh, you know, just start ripping away at it. Have a, have a methodology. Think about what you want to do. So if anybody else has any of, you know, cool, I know there's an infograph out there a while back on the tie, kind of Tigers, the way that he approaches uh, range sessions where he kind of works through his bag, not everyone. Kind of similar to what you had. It seemed like the odd numbers were the big ones that he used. So if anybody's got any recommendations, share them with us. We'll share them with, our, with the followers, with the listeners, and really make it, you know. I think the range can be a great thing. One of the things I do want to preface, though, or say or be a warning is, like, I smoke the ball off a of mat. Every time I'm on a mat, I crush it. When I go to the grass, it's a completely different thing. So if you have the option, definitely try to get to the grass. Absolutely. And speaking of grass, let's talk about Mexico. Yes, the W. The what is this? The well, this is the first WGC of the year, correct? I believe so. Yeah, we're down in uh, right outside of Mexico City, the the Club de Golf Chapultepec. There we go. Uh, WGC Mexico, seventy-two holes, no cut. Everyone's playing all weekend. This Money is money grab of, nation. Yeah, this was this DJ last year. Yes, I yes, it was DJ last year. I, Sadly, this no, year did Phil win, or is that two years ago? Phil won down there two years ago, right? I can't remember. I get these tournaments confused all the time. I just know uh, there's a lot of people, the DJs and the Phils, but there's a lot of big names that are not playing this week, right? No T Woods, who we talked about. Uh, no Big Dick Rick this week. No Kepka. No J Day. There's a handful of other names that are not playing this week. I know we're starting to get into that swing where there's. A lot of guys kind of taking time and preparing for the coming weeks because there's a lot of good tournaments coming up. Um, and this is one that uh, a lot of guys tend to skip. It's always a good tournament, right? There's, there's plenty of big names that do play. There's a lot of guys dropping out. Um, bet any, you, I bet you could not tell me who finished in third, tied for third place. Give me one name off the T3 Patrick Reed. Uh, well, hold on. No, Patrick Reed was not there. Who did finish T3 last year? Last year. So DJ won, Rory was in second, and there was three guys at T3. We're not going to play the game of guessing, but it was uh, – you had Ian Poulter, Ooh. Paul Casey, and our good close personal friend, the Barn Rat. Oh, the Barn Beard Rat. Was, was in third. Yes, he showed out that week. Nice, dude. So you see a lot of – you see a lot of these international players. You see a lot of these guys that – and it's a smaller field, so the coverage, fingers crossed, should be good. You should get to see it. This was the one last year where you saw the the – very very violent windmill bunker shot by tiger that i think might have been the shot of the year uh he had played that you know that kind of that big cut fade over there uh, out of the bunker there whipped it around the top of his head so this is, should definitely be a fun uh interesting event like you said you're losing some of the big names up the top there but there's still enough great golfers out there on a pretty cool course i know there's altitude as well so that's something definitely to keep an eye on uh so i think we can definitely should be some interesting stuff. Uh, you know, these WGCs always just kind of get crammed in there to kind of fill gaps. And, and you know, it really is a big money thing for the uh, the PGA players. I know that there's some FedEx points. There's some race to Dubai points on the line. But going into this week, who do you like for your uh, big picks? Yeah, so big pick this week. We're going to go with the guy who finished T5 uh, last week and Bryson DeChambeau. I Oof, think yuck. I know, not not a fun guy to pick, but uh, we're not picking with our head. We're picking with our heart. No, we're not. 
No, we're not picking with our heart. We're picking with our head. Um, I think he had a, a good showing last week, hit the ball really well. T5 was really nice to see. I think with less big names out there, this gives him a little bit more chance to shine. Um, yeah, I'm going to go to Shambo. Who do you who do you like for a big name guy this week? Anyone? I mean, there's still plenty of guys that are playing. There's a lot of good names out there. My uh, big name pick this week is somebody that I've been – I think I've been on – on his nut, I guess you could say, for probably the last three or four years. And uh, admittedly, it's never paid off for me. But I'm going Tommy Fleetwood this week. I am a big Tommy Fleetwood guy. Uh, so I, I just – we haven't seen him on tour really this year. This would be kind of his first, you know, appearance on the tour. They're getting, oh, it's a WGC event. But I'm going Tommy Fleetwood this week. And then what about you for your dark horse here? There was a lot of guys that – you know, so-called dark horses, right, guys that – have uh, kind of an outside shot. Um, the name that I'm going to stick with here is Mr. Kevin Na. I don't have much reasoning why. I think he, he finished 14th at Pebble, um, missed the cut at the Waste Management, missed the cut at Genesis last weekend. So this isn't. There's no. This isn't picking with the head here. This is picking with the heart. I, I I've got a soft spot for Na Na Na. So. I like Kevin Na this weekend as my dark horse. What about you? Any anyone that can rival Mr. Kevin Na? Uh, much like you, I get on these kind of like these heart trips of where like it's you know you see someone perform in the past and you just assume that they're going to do it again. Much like the, uh, the the Bubba Watson thing that I picked last week, it didn't pay off. But I'm going to roll with it again. I'm going to go Kevin Kisner, the Kiz. I know he won uh, a WGC event down in Texas last year. Granted, that was a match play event. Uh, but I just think he thrives in these type of situations here. The no cut, you know, kind of maybe takes some pressure off of him. And it's a big field. It's a big international event. It's prime time. So I think, you know, I'm going to go Fleetwood and Kisner. That's kind of my matchup right there. Not a not a bad pairing for you. Two guys that can definitely get it done. Yeah, we're looking forward to this uh, WGC Mexico. Uh, yeah, no cut. So a lot of golf to be played, a lot of money to be won. I I didn't have anything else. I think we had a pretty good episode there's a lot of good golf good tournaments coming up we obviously know that there's uh some azaleas about to be blooming in the next month or two um there's some potential sexy giveaways coming uh keep keep reaching out to us guys you want to hear you know we know golf season for a lot of you is just starting to creep up in right it's getting a little bit warmer out i know new york here we're just touching the 50s and it's kind of end of February. So we might be there in March, believe it or not. I mean, you guys down south, it should be – we're right on the cusp, right? We're on the doorstep. I think it was 64 degrees. You're starting to see kind of those uh, wild onions poke up through the grass. So it's around the corner. Again, thank you, everybody, for listening. We truly do appreciate it. Uh, go, on, you know, go on all your major listening platforms. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. You know, interact with us. We love to hear it. We truly appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate the banter we've had back and forth. We'll keep you posted on the giveaways, the raffles, the new merch coming out. You know, we got some big things coming. I'm telling you, I think spring is right around the corner. I know that little, uh, what is he, a groundhog, said it was coming soon. I think he was right this time. Again, appreciate it. Thank you for rolling with us. We'll see you all next week. Keep chasing.